Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. We uh, have been going through the book of um, Daniel, as we had that reading there before from uh, Peter. It sort of left you hanging, didn't it? Verse 8, and he sort of went to the, what happens next? Well, we're going to get that in a minute, okay? Just in case you're in suspense there and you stop breathing, is he going to be alive? Uh, so we're going through the book of Daniel, which is a great book uh, out of the Old Testament, and we're seeing uh, God work through that uh, for the people of Israel, but also for us today, even though it's written 2,000 years, or probably maybe four, 3,000 years ago, maybe more, uh, it still speaks in our hearts and lives as well today, just the same. So today as we sort of set the scene, um, the other week I went uh, to Sydney for our FIEC conference and we drove past Gundagai. Does anybody know what Gundagai is famous for? I saw Nathan... Dog, dog on the... Okay, you've stolen my thunder, you've stolen my thunder. Well, there it is, it's the dog on the tucker box. Uh, the story of a dog that faithfully guarded his owner's tucker box or lunch box uh, containing all the food. Um, the dog supposedly guarded this tucker box like for every day of his life until death. Uh, and the picture was here of this faithfulness of this dog. I'm not sure if he wanted the food inside the tucker box or he was waiting for the, for the owner of it. But come rain, hail or shine, this dog was supposed to have just stayed on this tucker box and wouldn't move until the owner had come to access the food inside. Just an incredible picture of the faithfulness of a dog. But faithfulness in that sense. Uh, faithfulness really is a beautiful picture of God and his commitment towards us. God is faithful towards us no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, as we put our trust in him. And we're going to see that again today as we jump into Daniel 6 here and uh, see that open up. So go to your Bibles and we're going to pick up from verse 19 and then uh, we're going to pick up the rest of that story there and we're going to read through to the end. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 19, and you can uh, follow with me on your devices, your Bibles, or even we'll have it up on the screen as well. Then, at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The, the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found in him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then, the king, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be, no, shall be to no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. 
So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this word that you've given to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, now as we just begin to reflect on the faithfulness of God shown to uh, Daniel. We pray, God, you'll apply that to our hearts as well, that you are a faithful God. Help us to see that, and we pray, and we ask that uh, in Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen. Amen. So the book of Daniel reaches what is really a halfway stage here at the end of chapter 6. What Daniel has done is carefully select a handful of events, real events, that took place probably over a span of about 70 years. He's just hand-selected these various events that have taken place. Daniel's purpose here for writing this book is to build up and encourage his readers to submit themselves to the Lord and trust God no matter what. No matter what they're facing, no matter what they're going through, they can trust the Lord in these things. So Daniel here is to show us that there is a God, he rules the world and he cares about people and he can be trusted in every way. Uh, Daniel 6 is another true story here that we see God at work doing this uh, for the exile, that is the people of Israel have now been exiled into the kingdom of Babylon. Now, it's probably the most famous story from Daniel as well. Often it's uh, the kid's flannel graph, if you go back years and years ago, or maybe it's probably um, PowerPoint slides now if kids do it, or it's probably even a video for kids now as well. Uh, You think of Daniel, you invariably think of the lion's den as well. Straight away, Daniel and the lion's den. Powerful story, true story. But here's what we're going to see as we think about Daniel 6. It'll be this. Despite the evil plans of man, which we see that there with those evil satraps, God is in control. He remains faithful in delivering and strengthening us through all circumstances as we remain faithful to him. And what we actually see in Daniel, these first six chapters, is every chapter God's revealing that to the Israelites and to us. His faithfulness, his sovereignty, working through all these chapters, uh, through achieving his purposes, but working it through people as well as we step through that. What I want us to do is we're going to do a really quick survey over the last five messages here. From It's not going to be five messages in a row. Just a quick survey of the five messages, which were each chapter where God shows that. Chapter 1, Daniel and his three companions were told to conform to the standards of Babylon's education and eat the king's food. As they were exiled in Babylon, you need to be trained in the ways of Babylon and you need to eat the king's food. They agreed to the education, but not to the king's food, if you remember back to chapter 1, because if you ate with the king, that means you were going to be loyal to the king no matter what. And that crossed the line for Daniel at that time. God honoured their choices to refuse to eat at the king's table, and the result was that God was faithful to them, even to promote them in that kingdom at that particular time, even though they refused the king's food. God was faithful. Chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that nobody can interpret at that time. And he's told by his astrologers and magicians that only the the gods can interpret this dream, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar got quite angry about this and he said, I'm going to kill all you guys because you you are just playing with me and you're not going to interpret this dream. Daniel tells the king, I can interpret the dream, let me do this. After praying earnestly before the Lord, uh, the Lord gives Daniel the interpretation for that dream. So again, what do we see? God is faithful to Daniel, faithful to his people, and King Nebuchadnezzar recognises that, that God does dwell with people 
particularly those ones that put their trust in him. God faithfully provides for Daniel and his people again. Chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar this time builds a golden statue and asks all the people to bow down and worship this golden idol that is made on the plains of Jura. And if you don't bow down to this golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has made, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace for a certain death. Well, as we know from that story, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stay faithful to the Lord and they won't bow down to the golden statue. They refuse to do that. We see there those guys are thrown into the fiery furnace for refusing King Nebuchadnezzar. But God rules the furnace. God rules in that situation and he delivered those guys miraculously from the furnace and also from King Nebuchadnezzar's hand as well. It's another picture again of God's faithfulness here, like it's chapter after chapter after chapter. Chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream where he rises up in pride against God. Daniel interprets this dream that this uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had, and he pleads with the king in this dream, humble yourself before the Lord to hold off God's judgment upon you because of your pride towards him. Well, 12 months later to the day, we see King Nebuchadnezzar is filled with pride and self-importance and pushes back against God and declares himself as the most important person in the world. Then God judges him and humbles him into the mind of an ox and he spends the next seven years eating grass with the cattle out in the open fields. God is faithful again to his sovereignty and faithful to his word, showing his faithfulness there again. Chapter 5 we saw last week, King Belshazzar uh, is filled with arrogance also against the Lord. Uh, He takes the sacred cups that King Nebuchadnezzar had removed from Jerusalem's temple, begins to drink wine out of them and praises the gods of gold and silver and wood and iron and stone and all these other things in sort of sheer arrogance against God. Well, we saw last week that God judges King Belshazzar and that night he's killed by invading armies who had right on the doorstep of Babylon at that time. For his arrogance and defiance, God said, your kingdom is over. God faithfully shows his judgment once again, his sovereign power over enemies and faithfully provides for his people through all those instances. It's chapter after chapter after chapter of God's faithfulness being shown there. Every chapter is about that. Israel is in this exile in this pagan, godless kingdom of Babylon, surrounded by a culture that has no time for the one true God, doesn't feature on their radar whatsoever. Daniel and the exiles are living in this culture of compromise, not staying true to the Lord, a culture where the laws of the land don't reflect the God who owns the land, who holds the very breath of these people in their lives. This is where they're living in this pagan culture. But God's showing his faithfulness to them to keep their convictions strong in the middle of this. And now we see it again in Daniel chapter 6. We've seen this recurring message here. Daniel is now in his 80s. This book spans about 70 years. When he's first taken to Babylon, he's probably in his teens, maybe late teens, but he's now in his 80s, probably late 80s. He's serving the Lord faithfully there. He's actually serving his captors very well also. But he's now jealously been set up to be brought down. 
As we read there in the early part of the narrative, uh, he's about to be made second only behind the king in all of the kingdom of Babylon. That's a pretty high position. Uh, the Babylonian king, well, the Medes and Persian king really at that time, uh, was the superpower of the world. He was about to be made 2IC, second in command behind the king. The other leaders who are alongside him, the satraps and uh, other leaders of various areas of the kingdom there of Babylon, they're filled with jealousy, hateful jealousy towards Daniel. They don't like seeing him being in this position. So what do they do? In collusion together, you'll see there as you read through the narrative, we agreed together. So you can see this agreeing together each time to come and try and take this Daniel down. They set this trap up. You can only pray to the king and no one else for the next 30 days. They couldn't find any other fault with him anywhere else, but they could find some fault with his convictions here of serving the one true God. And the whole idea here is to catch out Daniel in these convictions of serving the Lord that he lives for. If you don't pray to King Darius, you'll be fed to the lions. The king signs the order, not really knowing this is a trap to set up Daniel. He signs the order, so yeah, that sounds like a pretty good thing for the next 30 days, a bit of honour in my direction. But these guys here are framing Daniel in this very devious and evil plan. What does Daniel do? Daniel does what he's always done for the last 80 years. He's not about to change now. He goes and he prays to the Lord, directly in opposition to the king's newly signed order. Directly opposes that. Well, these jealous satraps and other leaders, they come and they spy on Daniel Obviously hoping to catch him in prayer because that whole thing was to set Daniel up in that way. And they did. They caught Daniel praying as he did three times each day. Opened the windows of heaven and there he prayed. They come back to the king and they remind him of this law. Look, king, you made this law. It cannot be revoked. It must be carried out. He needs to be punished. And they also tell him that Daniel, we've seen him. We've got many witnesses for this. He must be thrown to the den of lions. Well, King Darius loves Daniel. He's thinking of any possible way that he can avoid this, but he knows that any edict that has been signed by the king cannot be revoked in the Medes and the Persians. And he has to send Daniel to the lion's den. But note here the final words to Daniel in verse 16. Have a look with me. Chapter 6, verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. What an encouragement for Daniel right in the midst of that challenging situation. What an encouragement. Darius says, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. But at the same time, it's putting a bit of a pressure point into play for us. It's setting the scene here for God's deliverance and faithfulness to shine through a really dark and difficult place. That's the precipice we get to with this, he's in the lion's den. After a sleepless night, the king, it says there, kept all diversions away from himself. No food, no drink, and even says he was, as I said, a sleepless night. He didn't sleep a wink. He's worried about Daniel in the lion's den. He goes down there first thing in the morning and he cries out in anguish as we saw before, Daniel, has your God saved you from these lions? Has your God done this? 
And to the joy of the king, Daniel replies in verse 21 and 22. He says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. God is faithful again. God is faithful again. This is the whole point here of these early chapters in Daniel. It's chapter after chapter after chapter of the faithfulness of God. God isn't dead like the Israelites thought at this particular time. When they were, as it, as it were, smashed by the Babylonians 70 years prior, they thought God is dead. But he's showing them time after time, he's not dead. Although they're in a dark and godless place, in a godless culture, God is still working faithfully for them, delivering them, and bringing about his purposes at the same time. God is still working in the darkness of this place. You see, the book of Daniel has served the church over thousands of years to encourage and build up believers in exile. It's an amazingly encouraging book when believers are hard-pressed and they're in exile. They come to Daniel and they read this and they say, God is faithful. God stayed with them. God carried them through some really, really dark and desperate times. And if the truth be known, we also are in exile for those who are trusting in Christ. You may not think that, but there's a sense where we're not home yet. There's a sense where we don't fit quite within this culture. We don't try and make ourselves not fit, but we understand with a biblical worldview and a gospel-shaped way of thinking, we just don't think the same as the culture around about us. There's a sense where we're in exile, as it were, not yet at home. What's God doing? He's showing us that he is faithful, regardless, wherever we are and whatever we're facing. He's showing us that he can be trusted and that he will not let us down. Now, I know um, many of us spend a lot of time in the Psalms. And the Psalms is wonderful to read there, the experience of people understanding what life can be like and the challenges we face. And what we find in the Psalms is the faithfulness of God experienced in the lives of people going through stuff, difficult stuff. Have a look with me in Psalm 25 here, where just one snapshot out of what they, what they experienced there. And what we should experience as well. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. That's a powerful line right there. That word none is a big word. It's not a small word, it's a big word. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Why? Why will they not be put to shame? Because God is faithful. God never lets us down. God's always there. They, those who don't put their trust in God, they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous, who are wantonly unfaithful before the Lord. 
But for those who wait for you, they will not be put to shame. The faithfulness of God is a beautiful and a life-giving understanding of who God is. Faithfulness is the quality that makes God look glorious to us. He doesn't let us down. He's always there. God cannot and will not ever let us down. It's impossible for God to do that. We need to grasp it and understand it. It's impossible for God to let us down. Why do I say that? Because if God were to be unfaithful in the slightest thing, he would cease to be God. If he was unfaithful in the slightest moment of our lives, there would be some sort of deficiency within God that he couldn't be faithful in that moment. If that was the case, then God ceases to be God. That will never happen. Because God is God and he will always be faithful. That's what we have to believe. That's what we have to bank our life on, is the faithfulness of God. Okay, so if we believe the faithfulness of God as all-powerful, loving and true to his character and his nature, it must fill us then with something. What does it fill us with? Courage, strength, conviction, ability to face the things that God ordains for us to face in his life. And we do it from this perspective. God's faithfulness towards us, so his faithfulness towards us, is the foundation for our faithfulness towards him. It's springboards of what God has done for us and his commitment towards us, and then we can be faithful before him. And what we see with Daniel is a very powerful example of that faithfulness lived out for us before the Lord. Think about Daniel for a moment. Practically speaking, in his everyday life in Babylon, living amongst this pagan culture, he actually worked and lived to the best of his God-given ability in faithfulness within that godless culture. Is a picture here of his life living faithfully before the Lord. Have a look in verses 3 and 4 again with me, and we'll see this picture here of Daniel. And this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no fault, no no ground for complaint or any fault. He was faithfully serving as best he could, even in that foreign culture. And it says it there, because he was faithful. Faithful, because the Lord had been faithful to him. He was now going to repay that by living a faithful life wherever he was. No error or fault was found in him because he was faithfully serving not only God but because of that serving the community and the culture around about him as well. Faithful followers of Jesus will faithfully serve our employers and our community to the best of our ability. That's what faithful following looks like when we're serving Jesus. Because in actual fact when we do that We are serving Jesus as his representatives when we're at the workplace. We're representing Christ and he's faithful to us when we're at the workplace where we work or the school or wherever we might be. So what they see in us of our faithful serving will show a reflection of Jesus to them. Think about this. 
Are we slack? Are we lazy? Are we half-hearted? Are we looking to cut corners all the time so I can just get out of there as quick as I possibly can? Is that faithfulness? Is that showing a faithfulness that God's shown to us and now we're reflecting that sort of faithfulness back into where we are through our everyday living? Is that faithful living? I don't think so. Actual fact, I know so. It's not faithful living. Or are we diligent to serve and to work hard wherever we might be? Do we contribute to a joyful morale within the staff where we might be working? Do we, do we seek to respect the leadership and managers and give them our allegiance? Do we work for the prosperity of the company or the school or the wherever we are? Are we seeking the, the well-being for that place? Are we doing that? Well, that's faithfulness that Daniel showed here because of the faithfulness that God had showed him. He wanted to, to show that same faithfulness wherever he was wherever he was, to do the best he possibly could in that context and for those people. And he did this amongst work colleagues who hated him. They didn't want him to be too IC. But he continued to live up to that faithfulness that God had showed him by living a faithful life before that and doing everything he possibly could to the best of his ability for the well-being of that community. But note this. Daniel doesn't compromise his faithfulness to the Lord, though, with ungodly actions within the culture where he's in. What does Daniel do? Well, he does draw a line, a very definite line. Okay, my faithfulness goes so far to the point of if if something crosses the line here in a godly perspective, well, then my faithfulness will stop. He draws a line to say, okay, only so far and then no further. Well, Daniel's told to pray to King Darius as a god for 30 days. And as you would expect, that crosses the line for Daniel. He knows there's only one true God. You don't pray to the king. You don't swear this unfailing allegiance to the king no matter what. It's crossed the line. He won't do that. He defies the king's laws. Instead, as we read there before, Daniel gets down on his knees He opens the windows towards Jerusalem and he prays to the one true God, not the king. What does that mean? Living faithfully, sometimes before the Lord, will be a costly life here in this broken world as we live as exiles. It will be costly. What was it going to cost Daniel? Basically his life. Everybody knows what happens when you go down to the lion's den. Nothing comes back out of there. You're consumed. Big cost for him. That's the whole point of the lion's den. You get eaten by them. It's not a petting zoo. It's where you get eaten. It's still happening today for people in the workplace, people that are getting challenged. Some of you may be familiar with Andrew Thorburn, who was a Christian, and he was uh, nominated for the president of the Essendon Football Club about maybe 10 or so months back. And uh, he went through a heck of a time Ultimately, he was shamed and pressured out of that position because of his faithfulness to biblical convictions regarding marriage. Andrew Thorburn's a part of the City on a Hill Church in Melbourne and holds biblical convictions about marriage between male and female. Well, the media and politicians pressured him and pressured him and attacked him 
about his biblical convictions with the desire to actually see Andrew Thorburn removed from being president of the Essendon Football Club. It was horrible. But he had to stand with his convictions and ultimately the club took away that, um, the presidency from him because they couldn't withstand the pressure. He had done nothing wrong except stand for centuries-old convictions that happened to be biblical as well, and because of that, the pressure came on. It takes courage, courage to live out those convictions at times, to be faithful before the Lord. He's Daniel in his late 80s. He could have easily justified in his own mind, hey, I've been doing this long enough now. I've been serving these guys for about 70 years. I'm about 85, 86. I think it's enough now. I can just cut myself a bit of slack and I'll just have to step off a little bit, not quite be as faithful before the Lord because I don't really want to get chewed up by these lions. Surely I deserve this time to myself. Can you imagine him walking to the lions then? He is hearing them roaring with hunger. They're purposely kept a little bit hungry for these sorts of occasions. So they're bellyaching for food. He knows what happens in there. It's not a comfortable walk to know you're walking down to the lion's den. It takes deep convictions and strong courage here to honour the Lord and hold fast in faithfulness. What does Daniel need to do? He needs to believe in something greater than the thought of those lions consuming him to remain faithful to the Lord. He he needs to think of something bigger than just being eaten by those lions. Well, for Daniel, he does think of something bigger. It's the person and it's the faithfulness of God is way greater and bigger than those lions eating him or consuming him. Because he says in no way will he compromise on who God is in the face of this godless culture going backwards all around him. Daniel's not going to step backwards in that. He's going to hold true. Even if it costs him his life, he thinks God is greater and God is able to deliver him from this situation in his mind. So he holds true to that. What did Daniel knew? He knew the Lord. Daniel knew the Lord. He went to his room and he prayed. Daniel knows, as he thinks back about the history of Israelites, how the Lord delivered the Israelites time and time and time again as he reflects upon their journeys through the wilderness and their time in Egypt. He knows that God is a God who's able to deliver, a God who can rescue, a God who does do that. Really quick note here about this deliverance though. As we saw a few weeks ago in uh, Daniel chapter 3, When God delivers, he doesn't always do it miraculously. In this particular time he did, and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego before the um, fiery furnace, they too were, were delivered miraculously. But as we said back then, sometimes God delivers us through death. So don't think as we read this, ah, okay, this means I'm going to get a miraculous deliverance every time. That's not how it works out normally. Sometimes God does do that, sometimes he doesn't. Just hold that in your mind as we think about this deliverance. Okay, now this faithfulness here that Daniel shows and courageously shows to the king actually spoke something into the life of King Darius. Have a look here how God used Daniel to awake Darius in verses 25 through to 27 as the king takes in this whole situation here, including Daniel's convictions. 
Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that all in my royal dominion, so all over the Babylonian kingdom or the Medes and Persians kingdom this time, are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Why? For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the very end. He delivers and rescues. This is the God of Daniel. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Now there's a whole lot to unpack there, which we're not going to do that today. But what a powerful decree from the king. Wouldn't you love to see the Prime Minister of Australia make a decree like that? You'd probably fall out of your chair, but wouldn't it be just, okay, there's a, a national announcement, here it is. That would be fantastic. Let's pray for it. The eternal, living, faithful God, whose kingdom knows no end, he delivers and he rescues. He delivers and he rescues. You see, we were created to be faithful people, living before a faithful God. That's how each and every person has been created. And we all know and we admire faithfulness. We think it's wonderful, it's strong, it's dependable. Now, it may be the dog in the tucker box, but you might even know some community clubs that you're a part of and you see some faithful people serving there year after year and you just think that is such a powerful thing when you see this faithfulness demonstrated. It's only really a mere shadow, though, of the faithfulness of God. But here's the rub as we just turn this around for a moment. We all experience unfaithfulness either towards us or we've been unfaithful to others by our own actions. You may have been on the receiving end of relationship unfaithfulness. Maybe a husband or a wife or somebody has been unfaithful and you know the hurt and the pain and the crushing feeling associated with being a victim of unfaithfulness. It's crushing, it's painful, it's hurtful, devastating to get over. Or you may have been the offender who's committed unfaithfulness. You could have been the one who's been unfaithful to your wife or your husband or your parents or your family members or even close friends to you. You've been unfaithful to them. You haven't kept your word. You've broken trust. You've done something to actually begin to bring harm into that relationship. And you know the guilt and the shame of being unfaithful. It's the world we live in. Unfaithfulness is the sin that has cut us off from God. We've all been unfaithful before the Lord. And this is the reason why the world we live in reels in pain and it reels in violence and it reels in suffering because of unfaithfulness, firstly before God and then also to each other. What do we want to do? We actually want to live our own way in this unfaithfulness. And if that means being unfaithful to get what I want, well, show me the way. It's the world we live in. Unfaithfulness in various sections and various areas of our lives. But here's the really good news. Here's the really good news. God was faithful to deliver Daniel from the lion's den. But Daniel actually needed a bigger deliverance 
other than the lion's den. That's a pretty big delivery. But in it, it's something bigger than that. You see, ultimately, Daniel is just like us. Sure, courageous in his convictions, but he's just like us. He also needs to be delivered from the sin of unfaithfulness as well. And here's the beautiful thing about God. When we are faithless, God is faithful. So when we are faithless, God is faithful. God comes to us in our unfaithfulness and reaches out in love and mercy and grace in our unfaithful position. How does he do that? Jesus does this for us when he faithfully goes to the cross, carrying all of our unfaithfulness before the Lord on our behalf. Jesus remains faithful to the Father no matter what for the whole duration of his life when everybody else and everything else was unfaithful towards him, including most of his, all of his followers basically deserted him. They were unfaithful in those last hours of his life. He remained faithful. Jesus paid the price of our unfaithfulness at the cross. And because of that, we are made new creations that we put our trust in Christ that we no longer have to carry the guilt or the shame of our unfaithfulness. That's not who we are. We're a new creation in Christ. All of our unfaithfulness has been nailed to the cross put away, never to be seen again by a faithful God bearing our unfaithfulness. Jesus is faithful to deliver us of that sin and to know that we'll never ever be called for that again in our lives because of what Jesus has done. But Jesus is also faithful to carry us through this life, no matter what we face, because we still face harrowing situations where our faithfulness is tested. And it's amazing how at our lowest moments of life, when the chips are really down, when we're experiencing challenge from so many quarters, it's amazing how in those lowest moments of life, how sweet it is when we feel as weak as a kitten, as it were, that the Lord is still faithful to us. When I feel I've got no strength left or those convictions are like burning on low heat, God is still faithful to hold us and carry us through those times. That is the faithfulness of the Lord that he's showing us here through Daniel. And that is the same faithfulness we can have today in Christ, who's given his life for us in faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can uh, come this morning and uh, let your word speak into our hearts. God, we thank you for the faithfulness of you've shown to Daniel, and we thank you for the faithfulness you've shown to us through your son Jesus. Help us today, Lord, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, to know that you're a faithful God, to trust you in all occasions, and to live out that faithfulness, Lord, in a practical way in this world around about us. Drawing the line, Lord, on godly conviction so they are ever crossed by the culture we live in, we will say no. We'll be given the courage by you and the strength by you to say no and to hold the line, we pray. So that, Lord, you are then reflected through our lives as a glorious, faithful God who will deliver us and strengthen us through those times when we do have to say no. Father, we pray. Let your spirit work in our hearts now 
as we think on you as a faithful God. Lord, we ask that we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.